Welcome to Leaders of the West, a podcast for innovators and changemakers. I'm your host, Jesse Jarvis, the founder of Of the West, and I'm sitting down with agriculturalists, entrepreneurs, executives, and everyone in between with the goal of digging into the strategies, mindsets, and lessons that have been crucial to the success of ag and Western. Whether you're carrying on the next generation of your family's operation, starting something from scratch, or determined to climb up the leadership ladder, we're going to inspire you to continue to dream big, growing not just you, but the future of agriculture and Western as a whole. Let's go. You guys are going to love today's episode of Leaders of the West. Today, we're going to sit down with Jeff Jones. Jeff is currently the CFO of Twisted X, which I'm sure you guys have heard of Twisted X. They're a footwear company based in Decatur, Texas. A lot of you guys I know love and wear the brand, but Jeff is somebody who he has been a CFO, a COO, a GM. He's been an IT, HR sales trainer as a consultant. He is what you would consider to be an all-around cowboy when it comes to business, and he's someone who really demonstrates that in order to understand the goals and needs of a company, that you have to understand every department and put the right people in the right positions to succeed. And the ability to take a holistic view of an organization and be successful in getting the people and the numbers to work together, which is something that is definitely takes an art. Jeff is also a mental momentum coach, speaker, and writer on topics that include leadership development, management, team building, conflict resolution, peacemaking, and time management. Jeff is not new to Of The West. He is somebody who has been involved in a few things that we have done in our time. Earlier this spring, he was a guest on one of our webinars, so you may have heard him then if you attended that, but he is somebody who I truly look up to as a leader, as a mentor, and his knowledge and experience in conflict management and conflict resolution is something that I'm really excited to bring you guys today because I know that conflict is something that a lot of us deal with, and it is an ever-present piece of a lot of family businesses, which many of us are involved in. And so I am really excited to get to give you guys an insight into Jeff and his wisdom and give you guys some tools and tips to help mitigate conflict as it arises. So let's get right to it. Jeff, I am so excited to have you here today and we are going to get right into it because this is one of those topics that is going to be so relatable, whether you are in a business setting, whether you are in a family business. I know a lot of our listeners are family farmers and ranchers, and conflict is something that they obviously deal with a lot, and it's a very touchy subject. So I'm excited to chat with you about this today. But let's kick it off by, will you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you wound up with a bachelor's in accounting and a master's degree in conflict management? Sure. Well, I thought everybody did that. So I'll try to make it as short as possible. But when I went to college, uh, I wanted to be a psychology major. And at the time, I thought I was going to have to fund college on my own. And my parents sat down with me and what are you you planning to do? And I told them. And my dad's best friend was a CPA. And my dad said, look, if you'll get an accounting degree, we'll help pay for, for some of your college. So follow the money. So I got an accounting degree and got out of school, did the you know public accounting thing and then into private accounting. And fortunately, I, I have stayed in smaller companies where I got to be very operational. And so I've been everything from a, along with being the accounting guy, a controller, CFO at times, but I've also been 
the guy that handled HR and I've been the guy that handled IT and I was general manager for some retail stores for a while and I've done a lot of different things, but uh, I went through a period in my life uh, where I had gone through a divorce and I wanted to go back to school and get a master's degree just to prove to myself that I could go do something and, and really excel at it at that time. And, you know, thought MBA, but I found out about this master's in conflict resolution. And having gone through this traumatic event in my life and realizing personally, I was great at helping other people resolve their conflicts, but I wasn't great at it myself. So, yeah, I made the leap to go get a master's in conflict resolution and learn more about what it is, how it occurs, how to be better at it, give myself some tools in my tool belt to deal with it. And in the meantime, prove to myself that I could achieve well in school and, and got a mediation a certificate to be a mediator also. So, so, yeah, it was just a great experience. Well, I'm hoping that you are going to give us a little masterclass lesson in conflict management and conflict resolution today, because as I alluded to earlier, that is something that you cannot live this life and not deal with conflict at some point. And I think for a lot of us, myself included, conflict is one of those things that maybe makes you get a little nervous and you get kind of you get a rash and you just dread it at all costs. Nobody likes that pit in their stomach. So let's get into some tools and tips and just general takeaways in why it happens and what we can do about it. But let's first start with why is the study of conflict management and conflict resolution really important? Yeah, well, Jesse, you said it. I mean, you can't get away from it, right? And and I tell people I've done conflict resolution trainings for companies and I always start by telling them I have a master's in conflict resolution, but I am not a master at conflict resolution. And that's what makes it important is because we all have we all have internal uh, needs, desires, triggers, and and those kind of things sometimes get in the way of being good at conflict. And so it becomes important because it is in every facet of our life. I mean, I was a little league baseball coach at one point and had the dad that wanted to meet me in the parking lot. You know, because I didn't pitch junior the way he thought, you know, or when he thought I needed to. We have it at home. We have it in our families. We have it at work. You know, no matter where you go, th- there's conflict involved. And and even when when we say the word conflict, we always think of these big explosive events. But, you know, conflict is anytime two people want different things. So if you're going to buy a car, that's conflict resolution of I want to pay this price. They want me to pay this price. How do we get to a to a middle ground? So yeah, conflict is conflict is just a daily part of everything we do, no matter no matter what we're doing, no matter where we are. And so being able to recognize it and to some degree appreciate it, and then to have some things that we're each prepared to do to handle conflict better is why it is important to deal with that. Because again, at the end of the day, it's all around us all the time. Well, I laugh when you say that Little League Baseball and you had a dad that wanted to take you out to the parking lot because Justin and I, my husband, we coached T-ball this summer and it was our first season ever coaching. And we chalked our season up as a win because we never had a kid cry and we never made a parent mad at us. And it doesn't matter what the score was. We were still winners because there were no tears from anybody involved. That, that is a big win. So. 
So you said that conflict is is something that is always a part of our lives. It's ever present. But what is it that really creates conflict and the different layers that are involved in conflict? Yeah, well, you know, the funny answer is you or me or, you know, the other person. But from from a scholarly approach, it falls into buckets of issues, positions, and interests. So there's this issue that is out there. There's a position that you and I might have. And then it's dealing with our interest in, in what those issues and positions are. And generally, when a conflict occurs, there's these things we talk about that are, are what come out first. But there's really things underneath the, the skin, underneath the, all those conversations that are really is what's driving that. And, th- and those are people's interest. And, in conflict resolution terms, we, you know, we use the picture of the iceberg and the, you know, there's what you see above the water that is this big. And there's what you see below the water that's three times as big. And so we've all experienced it at some point when we're dealing with somebody at conflict and, you know, they're just saying, well, I don't like the way you talk to me. Uh, you know, I don't like the way you said this to me, but really deep down below, there's some other trigger that something's happened in their past or there's some fear they have or some desire they have that's really driving all that. And until you can get that to bubble up, it, it's hard to deal with. So so that that's it from a, a scholarly approach is the issues, positions, and interest. And then from a from more of a real world approach, there's a triggering event. Something's said, something's done, whatever it may be. And then there's that internal response. So our, our brains start spinning of this is what they meant, this is what they said, and this is what they meant, and this is how I took it. And then there's the external response of, okay, Duke's up, let's go, buddy. And again, in my training, I tell the story of, you know, one night my wife and I are at home and she made the comment, the dishes haven't been done. And what I heard was, you never clean the dishes around here. I always have to do it. And you need to get to work on that. And I wasn't what she meant at all. She was just making a statement. But, you know, we, we hear these, you know, somebody says something, we hear something and, and we process it. And then, man, we're ready to go to war. And, and there's a lot of things that affect that. So you know, we've all got different personalities. So if you've ever done Myers-Briggs or some of those things, you know, there, there's different drivers that we all have. There's different ways we respond to stimulus and there's different ways we give out stimulus. We all have different conflict styles. There, There's five predominant conflict styles and, you know, quickly, uh, avoidance, um, accommodation, competition, compromise, and collaboration. And each of those have, you know, different impacts and how we deal with conflict. And then again, you know, I talked about our interests. There's our personal desires that, you know, what is it really or our personal needs? What is it in us that is really driving this conflict? And, and again, how we interpret things, assumptions we make, how we objectify people or things that, that happen and, and what goes in our mind. So, you know, conflict's not just this little easy thing about Jesse said something and Jeff didn't like it. There's a lot going on there. And so uh, that that's what makes conflict so challenging often is I hear one thing, I say one thing, and then 
you know, the other person is the same way. And we, we think it's just this real surface level deal, but it generally is not. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of things boiling underneath the surface. Oh, isn't that true? Especially from the perspective of when, um, you know, like I said earlier, a lot of a lot of the listeners are involved in their family farming and ranching operations. And I think that conflict in business and in personal lives, that's definitely, you know, another layer. But when it's in a family business, I think that that takes on a lot of different layers as well, because it does have the family aspect and it does have the business and the livelihood aspect attached to it. And there's a lot more pressure there. But I'm excited to get into the tips and tricks of mitigating conflict and resolving it, because I think it's safe to say we want less conflict. Most of us do anyways. So what are some things that we can do to keep it at bay or resolve it when it comes our way? Yeah. Well, the the first thing I'm going to tell you speaks to some of what you said very early on when you were talking about getting a rash and, you know, just, you just hate it. But what all of us have to learn to do, and it, it is a learned trait, is to appreciate the fact that conflict is inevitable. It is something we're going to experience. And, and if we think back, it's often through conflict that we grow the most. And so many times the, the tension or the conflict is something that becomes a positive in our lives. We just had to walk some hard roads to, to get there. But, but if we could just appreciate the fact that, yeah, in the past, conflict's been hard, but I grew from it. And in the future, conflict's going to be hard, but I grow from it. You start to see conflict a little bit different. And again, we use this word conflict and, and we generally think of, you know, we get this vision in our mind of a bomb going off and it doesn't have to be that way. So first, appreciate that it's inevitable. Second, realize that it has to be addressed. And, and this is one of the things that's interesting. When I went to get my master's in conflict resolution and I did my it's a it's called the Thomas Kilman Institute conflict styles assessment is the be all and end all and that you can fr- find some free ones online and, and they're good too but I learned that my number one conflict style was avoidance I just wanted to put my head in the sand and hope it went away and that doesn't work so learning through that program and learning to realize that conflict has to be addressed Man, I still don't like it any better than anybody else does, but I'm willing to now take those steps to wade into it to try to find an answer that works for me and works for the other person, whether it's my wife, whether it's a coworker. You know, fortunately, no more dads on the little league field, but that is the second biggest step. So appreciate the conflicts inevitable, realize it's got to be addressed. And then third, be aware that conflict skills are learned and not natural for most people. So knowing that the other person is really at the same same place you are, uh, you know, there, there's some fear, there's some trigger, there's something going on. You know, if you can just stop and appreciate that, that helps. So, and I put all, all three of those kind of in the category of take a deep breath and breathe before you launch. And, and part of that breathing is appreciating that, hey, this is just natural realizing I got to deal with this. And then, you know, finally, hey, this is just a person too. And they have wants and needs and desires. And then then it becomes more operational at that point, right? So so the big thing, and, and everybody's heard this a million times, listen to understand, not respond. So how many times do you get in a conflict 
and somebody's just, you know, they're telling you, this is what's bothering me. This is what's going on. Da, da, da. And the immediate response is, no, I didn't. Or, well, you did this. Or so often that's our natural reaction is to be defensive and to not really hear what they say, but just simply respond to protect ourselves. So if you can stop and listen, you know, there, there's that old Stephen Covey, uh, Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People that seek first to understand and then be understood. If you can do that in a conflict, you're miles ahead in, in making it better. So that's the first operational thing is to just listen to understand. And then the second is when you respond, the first step in responding is to ask some validating questions and ask some open-ended validating questions to make sure you've understood what they've told you. So, you know, just the, what I hear you saying is, you know, I'm, I didn't do the dishes and you're upset because I didn't do the dishes. Is, is that correct? And that gives that person that opportunity to go, well, no, that, that's not really what I really meant. I've just really meant, I know there's that one glass you like to drink out of and it's still dirty because the dishes haven't been done. And that's all I was going to tell you. No big deal. But by asking those clarifying and validating questions, you, you bring the tone down a little bit if it's, if it's already elevated. And then at that point, that's when you can start to explain your side of the issue. But you, you've spent some time listening and you've spent some time not only listening so you really know what's going on, but listening with that question to let them know, I heard you. And then you, and then speak your piece. And, and it's important to, you know, not hide how you feel about things. Be open with that, share that. But now you can do that with a little bit of perspective of where that other person's coming from. Those are probably in a nutshell, just the biggest pieces. I mean, there, there's a lot of other things we could go into, but those are the biggest pieces is, is that Take that early moment to breathe, appreciate the conflict's going to happen, realize you got to address it, be aware that you're dealing with a human and not just this thing, breathe, and then listen, validate, share your perspective, and then it's just a matter of walking through it. So those things may repeat themselves multiple times before you finally get to to a point where where everybody's on on good terms and you feel like you have it worked out. And then the, the, the one thing I'm going to throw in here too is never, ever, ever, never, never, ever, ever, never use text or email to deal with conflict. Ooh, that is a good one. If If you can't hear voice intonations or even better, see body language and facial expressions, You've seen it. You've heard it. It may have happened between you and your husband where something said in a text and it's just like, what do they mean by that? Because there's there's no feeling. There's no emotion. There's no expression behind a text message. You know, emojis maybe, but never use text or email to deal with the conflict. It's going to get a lot worse, I can promise you. And I have been there before, too, on the email side of things where you read an email from somebody and you think, gosh, why are they mad at me all of a sudden? I 
And it's how you read it and interpreted it. They had no meanness yeah. or intention of that. But but how we interpret things is just as unique and different as we all are. And I think that that obviously then plays a large role in conflict just because that's our side of things. But maybe that's not what the what the initial intention ever was. Exactly. So earlier you mentioned personality types like Myers-Briggs or Enneagram or anything of that nature. Is it helpful to know your conflict style? Yes. I think it's great to know that for, for a couple of reasons. One, you, you know where you may be strong or, or weak. Two, by kind of understanding those, you can, you can pick up on where the other person may be coming from. And, and just, a, just a little bit more clarity on those maybe. Avoidance sometimes is good, but generally is not. I mean, you know, sometimes you may need to walk away for a little bit and go, hey, we'll, we'll come back to this when, you know, your head's not to about to spin off your body. But th- there's times where avoidance is okay. But generally, you don't resolve anything by avoidance. You, you just delay it. Accommodation is, just to understand these a little bit better, accommodation is I'm going to give you what you want and I'm going to not get what I want. So it's kind of a you win, I lose method. But accommodation is often used. I mean, it's probably used a lot between husbands and wives where the relationship's more important than whatever. It, it may be some more minor conflict that, you know, being, being right is not as important as being supportive, you know, at times or whatever. So sometimes accommodation is good. Sometimes it's not. Competitions is the I, I win, you lose. So I'm 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 going to get my way, and you know if we're friends after this, great. But if I leave you in the dust, okay, so be it. Interestingly, most people talk about compromise, but in conflict resolution terms, compromise is a lose lose. We both give in to reach a solution, and it, and it may again, it may be at that time the best solution, but we neither one of us get everything we want. And then collaboration is the is the win win. It's you know how do how do we how do we make the pie bigger? How do we how do we get more out of this than we want? And that's when people really come together and and they've listened to each other, they've learned a lot, and they find ways to make things work better than than they've ever been working. And so knowing knowing those about yourself and then knowing a little bit about those and the person you're dealing with are going to help you deal with conflict. Okay, so I'm going to ask a question that's likely now on everyone's mind. Because it is pretty easy to find a Myers-Briggs test or an Enneagram test or any any other type of personality test out there. Are these types of tests easy to find? I'll make sure to include a link somewhere in the in the show notes, you guys, for those of you who are listening. But is there like one end-all, be-all place to take one? Yeah, the, if you uh, Google TKI conflict styles, so TKI conflict styles, but it's the Com- Thomas Kilman Institute. The, again, theirs is the be-all and end-all. It, it costs, I think, 45 or $50 to take that one. But it, you take it, and they give you a good assessment from it. But there, there's several others out there. And again, if you if you Google TKI conflict styles or conflict assessment, there's others out there that are free that are not quite as extensive, but they still work. I've used them before at, at, in my office. And there, there's a whole whole bunch of them I haven't. Looked at one in a while. Well, I, actually, I did look at a couple of them recently for a friend. Again, 
not as extensive uh, in their response to you, but they'll give you a, a general idea. Okay, well, I'll make sure that we include the TKI and a free version as well for those of you guys. That way you have your choices because who doesn't like choices? I think that this is this is definitely something that when we get done, I'm going to go do because I'm curious as to what my own conflict style yeah. is. Yeah, it's interesting. Okay, so are there certain ways that you can recognize conflict is coming ahead of time? Can you read the Saturday morning paper on Friday? <laughs> you know, it, I mean, it just all depends on the people you're with, uh, because some people boil for a while and you can tell something's about to happen. And sometimes it's just there's there's the spark, the the triggering event. So yes and no, but I don't have a good way to tell you what, what that is. That's, that's probably more of an intuitive or, you know, know knowing the people around you uh, ability. OK, well, so we're we're coming into the holiday season and. I think one of the things that we all know about the holidays is that can often bring a lot more opportunities for conflict, especially for those of us who are involved in family businesses. So do you have any tips, advice for those people who want to avoid conflict and make happy holiday memories instead? Other than just stay away from family. And don't talk politics. Yeah, yeah don't, <laughs> don't talk politics. Yeah, you know, again, it kind of goes back to some of the things I was I was saying earlier about one, you know, just understand that conflict occurs, and so try not to be in fear of it going into the holidays. But two, for each one of us, one of the things that I always work on is just what is the best thing I can do to bring joy and peace and cheer into the festivities. And generally, if I can approach it like that and approach it with not a here's what I expect from everybody else to do to make my holidays great, that <laughs> that that for me mitigates conflict. But, you know, even when you're dealing with those family members that can be overbearing or very opinionated or whatever it may be, again, there, there's no easy answers, but it, it's start with that breathe. Just take some deep breaths and realize that people are people and that things they say and how we interpret it may not ever be what is truly actual. It may be just the way we see it. There's a quote that I use in my conflict resolution training that I, I have to remind myself of often. And it's, we do not see things as they are. We see them as we are. And so when you have that mother, father, brother, sister, aunt, whatever it is that, you know, just always kind of, kind of brings down the holidays, we, we get a picture in our mind already of who they are and what they are, but that's our, our picture. So I think the, the most work, and maybe I'm just speaking for myself and it doesn't apply to anybody else, but I, for for me, the most work always starts internally of breathe, realize that this is a stressful time, that things are going to happen, and how do we make the best of it and work through the bumpy parts? So. so on the topic of businesses, let's move to those who are maybe in more of a traditional business setting. And if you are a leader dealing with conflict, whether that is from your coworkers or from the team members that report to you. You are somebody who's really well 
respected in the Western industry because you encourage a really strong culture of people who are around you. So what advice would you have for leaders in a business setting dealing with conflict? Yeah. And, and I'm actually going to go back to that, to that quote I just shared with you of, you know, we don't see things as they are. We see them as we are. One of the, one of the best business leadership books I've ever read and that I recommend a lot is called Leadership and Self-Deception. It's uh, from the Arbinger Group, A-R-B-I-N-G-E-R. And it, it's actually kind of a parable story book. And so I, I give it out a lot because it's easy to read. But it's a reminder that, you know, as leaders, so often we're focused on this goal. And too often we just objectify people around us as tools to reach this goal. And man, they're going through, they're going through life and life is messy and life is hard. And if I don't stop to appreciate the fact that I have people showing up every day who have a lot of junk going on in their world, but they came here today to help me move the ball further down the road, then, then I, I fail them when I, when I don't do that. And so, you know, I think as leaders, it, it's so important to remember that and we, we've got to see the big picture. And that's more than just our gross sales number or our net profits or how much cash we have in the bank. It takes a lot to make this thing called business work. And it takes a lot of people pouring into it. And we have to, we have to appreciate every day that they show up and that they're imperfect, just like me, and that they have stresses, just like me. And the best thing I could do is acknowledge that, be aware of that, be their cheerleader, and then let's go slay it. I think that really coming from that place of just grace and understanding, and you know that is, that is something that we all probably need to work on a little bit more, for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, so let's get into the rapid fire round. What is the best piece of business or personal advice that you have ever been given? It's probably changed over the years, but actually this just came up in a conversation with somebody the other day, and it's a piece of advice I didn't listen to. And the advice was, don't get so caught up in chasing your future so hard that you miss the goodness of the now. And and I, I was sharing that with a group of younger younger folks the other day that you know, I, I've always just poured so much into work and so much into, you know, what I felt I had to do to get ahead that I, I didn't always take care of myself. I didn't always take care of the people around me. And I, there's a lot of my life that has just gone by. And I feel like, man, I wish I would have appreciated my 30s more. I wish I'd appreciated my 40s more. I, I'm to the point where I wish I'd appreciated my earlier fifties more, but yeah, don't, don't miss the goodness of the now. Ooh, that is good. I think I needed to hear that Jeff. So hopefully somebody else listening did too. If you could give any words of wisdom and you knew that who was listening would take it to heart, what would it be? Yeah. Uh, well, the, the easy answer is what I just said. In, invest in yourself today for how you make yourself the best you today. And again, we, we spend so much time forward focused that we, we miss the opportunity to be the best us. And the best us can mean the, the best, you know, fitness part of us. It can mean the best employee side of us, 
but hopefully it means the the best giving and caring and compassionate side of us too. I, I wrap all of this up a lot in we need more kindness in the world, and and the more we can do to take care of ourselves and love ourselves, which we're really not taught to do. But and I, I'm I'm going to go off on a little tangent here, but. This is something I've given to my mom. My wife's a counselor, and I was sharing this with her the other day, and it really resonated. I said, you know, from a biblical perspective, you know, so many people, uh, you know, in America are Christian, so I, I think I can use this. But, you know, the greatest command is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And, and I grew up in a time where we left off the as yourself. It was, you know, love your neighbor, but we didn't take care of ourselves. We didn't love ourselves. And so I guess the older I get, that's something I really want to impress on people is appreciate you for who you are. Always be working to improve, but appreciate yourself for who you are. And when you do that, you begin to see people differently. You can lay down some of these judgments and and some of these comparisons and some of these things that man, I just, I feel like they, it just paralyzes. Uh, it's paralyzed me in my lifetime and appreciate us so we can appreciate other people better. Oh, yes. You know, comparison, that's a, that's a tough one, especially in this day and age. And I think that we are all so unique and every aspect of America is unique and, and life is unique for a reason. We're not all supposed to be cookie cutter versions. We're not supposed to be just like somebody else. We are supposed to be ourselves. And we need to love ourselves for that as well. Preach. <laughs> okay. If you could go to dinner with anybody dead or alive, who would you pick? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to cheat you on this one too. Um, <laughs> so I miss my dad and I would give anything to have dinner with him again. So that that's one. But from a living perspective, uh, and, and only my wife will really appreciate this, but Matthew McConaughey. Um, oh. I, I, I want to hang out with that dude. That is a good one. And I will say, I am now, now that you've said that, you're the first person who has said that. And I'm actually kind of shocked by that. I love this. Okay. Well, I'm curious. Tell us more. Why? Yeah, you know, I, I read his book. Well, I didn't read his book, Green Lights. I listened to the audio version of his book, Green Lights, which he reads. And I just, I really appreciated so much of what he had to say. I, I've been, I've just been going through this personal journey the last several years of uh, looking internally and, and, and learning to appreciate myself better. And he grew up in a, in a family and a, in a time where he, he really got that earlier in life than I did. And he shares a lot of that in his book and literally reading that book has given me a lot of freedom to be happy with me and, and be happy with who I am. And I, I would have never have thought that. Before I read that book, I mean, I'm a Longhorn fan. He's a Longhorn fan. I thought that was enough. But, but yeah, read, reading that book gave gave me some freedom internally to appreciate myself. And so, uh, you know, as, as as interesting as he is and quirky as he he may be at times, I would love to just spend uh, you know an hour or two talking to him. Ooh, well, I haven't read the book or listened to the book, but you've inspired me now. I'm going to, for those of you who are listening, I will make sure to include a link to the book in the show notes as well, but I'm going to put that on my list. Okay. Two more questions All and right. then we'll, we'll be done. But what's one quote that you lead your life by? Yeah, it's uh, it's better to make a difference than to make a point. I actually heard Andy Stanley say that at a conference one time. 
And it, it just really stuck with me because a lot of times we want to be right. And, you know, that that's a natural thing. But if we can make a difference in the world and, and we can make a difference in one person's life, that's more impactful than any point we'll ever make. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about your favorite things. So this is a newer question. And the reason that I ask this is because I think that whether it is a book or a podcast or a service or a subscription, there are these things in our lives that we love and couldn't live without. But when we tell people about them, they've never heard of them before, or they don't realize how life-changing they are. So what is one is there a book or a podcast or a service, a life hack that you just you think more people need to know about in the world? Yeah, you always ask me these questions of one, and I've got like fifty that I want to go over. But we can share as many as you need to. Yeah, so so a, a, a book I would recommend for everybody is called The Servant. It's about leadership. I believe it's Michael Hunter or Matthew Hunter. I think it's Michael Hunter was the author. That's probably the book I give to more leaders and aspiring leaders than than any other is the servant. But my newest, coolest thing is it's called the Remarkable, and it's a note taking device. And that's all it does is take notes, but it's electronic. And I, I keep learning more and more little tricks with it. But this has probably changed my life recently more than anything else I have. I've got the iPads and I've got you know, the laptops and I've got the phones, and I've got all these things. This goes with me everywhere I go. So I've heard of those before. If you are somebody who writes stuff down, then this is for you. Because basically, and I'm going to paraphrase this, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a it's a pad that you can physically write on, but then it digitally transposes those notes, and then you can upload them to your computer or wherever it may be to then have them digitally. So you've yeah. got the, yeah, you I mean, had the... The feel good of handwriting them, but then you didn't lose them digitally. Yeah. And you could keep it in handwriting. It converts it to text. Uh, with mine, I, I actually, I bought the little add-on keyboard too, because when I'm in a meeting or when I'm you know listening to people talk, it's easier for me to, to write by hand. But when I'm just by myself and just thinking things I want to put down, I like the typing aspect. So far, most of what I've written is, you know, used is handwritten. And even um, I was at a conference a couple of weeks ago and they had, you know, the materials in PDF. I was able to download it to my Remarkable, make my notes in, you know, on the on their materials and then upload it back to I use Dropbox. And so now I've got that forever with my notes all in one place. Oh, see, this is why I ask the question, because somebody out there. They love to write things down, but they hate the time that they waste of writing it down and then having to type it back up. So you just saved them their sanity because you told them about the remarkable. Yeah, I've used legal pads and I've got papers from <laughs> here to New Jersey. I've you know, I've used the little book, Moleskin Moleskin books or whatever you call. And, you know, I put them away and I forget where they are. Now everything is in one place, it's in the cloud. It has been just fantastic. Oh, well, Jeff, this whole interview has been fantastic. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. I know that there are so many people who are going to be able to have resonated with what we talked about, because when it comes to conflict, we have said this numerous times today, none of us necessarily enjoy it. We want less of it in our lives, especially when it comes to family businesses, because conflict is frankly one of the reasons that so many family businesses don't make it to the next generation. And that is something that we want to change. So Jeff, for those people who 
are interested in what it is that you do, where can they follow along with you? LinkedIn is probably the one of the easiest places right now. And then, uh, you, you know, you can find me on Facebook also. And I'm just starting a uh, TikTok. Uh, oh. under, so one of my newest things is I've, I'm getting certified to be a uh, coach, like life coach, executive business coach, what I call a mental momentum coach. And uh, I'm going to be on TikTok under Summit Coaching, just giving little tips and tricks from time to time. So, Oh, well, I might have to break down and get a TikTok just for that. I will say, you guys, I follow Jeff on LinkedIn, and you are absolutely missing out if you don't already. He has so much wisdom and insight that he shares, and it definitely brightens my day when I get to read it. So thank you so much, Jeff. I really appreciate you. If there was something in this podcast that you loved, make sure to do us a favor and one, tell us about it because we love hearing what resonated with you. That makes our jobs a little bit brighter. And then share it with a friend because chances are if you needed it, they might need it too. Just like how I had said, what was that? Jeff's best piece of business advice. That's the thing that I really needed to hear. You know, it's amazing how I think that the the world and the universe just works in that way. It gives you what you need and chances are somebody else needs it too. So do us a favor and make sure to share. And then if you haven't already, please do us a favor and rate and review the podcast. It makes a huge difference for our show. And with that, we will see you guys back here next week. Thank you. I hope you guys have a blessed day. If you loved this episode, do us a favor and share it with someone else who might find just as much value in it as you did. We're on a mission to continue to grow and strengthen the future of agriculture and Western industries, and you spreading the word helps us make more of a positive impact. It also makes a big difference when you take a minute to go rate and review the show. We can't thank you enough for listening, for sharing, and for loving Ag and Western as much as we do. We'll see you back here for our next episode.